Well, it is great to see you, everybody. Thank you very much for that welcome. And uh, great to see you wherever you're uh, watching in from, Leicester, Cambridge, or online. Really is wonderful to be with you uh, today and to be sharing the second part of our series looking at this wonderful biblical uh, character of Gideon. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Winston Churchill's uh, memoirs of the Second World War. They're kind of intimidatingly large, so I've, I've never read them. Maybe it's something I'm going to save for retirement. But um, his very first uh, volume, the one that leads up to the beginning of the Second World War, I've always loved the title. Uh, he entitled it The Gathering Storm. I think it's so evocative that the Second World War didn't just um, arise out of nowhere, but rather it brewed like a, a dark and terrifying storm. Now, why do I mention this? Well, because that's really where we are in the story of Gideon. We have, if you like, the kind of peak of the storm to come, the great battle of uh, Midian. But here is the storm coming together. We've seen the rumblings of thunder and the storm clouds gather as these terrifying Midianites come into the camp of the people of God and they're all running scared, hiding away in their caves. And this is the time at which God is now calling Gideon, this unlikely character, to, if you like, be the Churchill of his time and step up and become this warrior leader and lead his people into and through the storm. And he's not commissioned by the vote of the British people in this case, but rather is commissioned by the angel of the Lord himself. As we saw last week, it says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And so he comes to this unlikely character, Gideon, and commissions him to be this judge, this warrior, uh, this leader. And obviously it is going to be a terrifying and daunting task ahead. So it is something that means he is going to have to become courageous, that he is going to have to take courage. And that's what the sermon is about today, about us taking courage, about us being courageous. And we don't do it, and Gideon didn't do it, by being encouraged just to sort of screw up his fists and try and um, get out whatever self-confidence was inside or turn on the rocky music and shadow box his way to higher self-esteem. Rather, it came from a much more simple and wonderful process. And that is taking courage because he knows that the Lord is with him. Now, have you ever noticed that having someone with you can often make you much more bold, much more brave, much more courageous? You know, I see this in my, my boys, my eldest two, Jack and Isaac, when they were a little younger, both of them went through a bit of a spate of having uh, bad dreams. And so I'd be lying asleep at night and suddenly I'd be uh, woken with a piercing scream of, Daddy! And so I'd run into their room and I'd find one of them trembling on their bed and I'd get up beside them and I'd give them a cuddle and I'd say, it's all right, it's just a bad dream, just settle down my boys, nothing to worry about. And then they'd settle them down as they started to get a bit more calm and so on. And then if I tried to leave, they'd always say, oh, Daddy, can you just stay? Can you just stay with me till I go to sleep? Or my boy Isaac's line always like, stay for five minutes, just stay for five minutes. That's because we used to go, we will stay for five minutes earlier on when we're feeling less compassionate. So he's reversing that on us. And so I would go and get my pillow and I'd put it on the floor and I'd use a dressing gown as a blanket and lay it on me and I would just lay there. And just knowing that their father was with them was enough in just a few minutes, very often, to turn them from being in abject fear and terror to all of a sudden being courageous, at peace, and falling to sleep. And sometimes so did their dad, who woke up maybe a few hours earlier, <laughs> a few hours later, and fallen asleep on the floor. But it's the same with us. I mean, how much more courage and boldness can we take from knowing that our Heavenly Father is with us? 
And that is the message for today. It may be that some of you are going through a storm right now, or maybe the storm clouds are gathering around you. Or maybe you're still hiding in the caves, or God is calling us to come out of the caves and go into and through that storm and come out of it with a flourish. And we can take courage and we can be courageous and we can beat that storm and we can get through it because we know that the Lord is with us. And so my prayer today is whether you're entering into the storm, whether it's a call to come out of the caves or whether you're going through a storm right now, that each and every one of you will get a revelation that your heavenly father is by your side and he will take you through that storm, that we can take courage and we can learn particularly in this story how to take courage in two particular situations and the first one is this because we know that the Lord is with us we can take courage in weakness so the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and effectively commissions him then to be this great warrior leader to take the people through the storm and this is Gideon's response pardon me my Lord Gideon replied how can I save Israel my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family So he's saying, I am the weakest of the weak. Like, you must have made a mistake. You know, I don't know who you are, but, you know, I can't be the one to lead the people through. Now, it's not exactly the kind of start to a story you'd expect to hear about a courageous leader, is it? You know, if I think, what would I think about the start of a story about a courageous leader? I'd probably be thinking about a soldier doing training or maybe some tough sportsman or something like that. But actually, if you flex the question a little bit and you say, what's the... Best example I've had of someone showing courage in the last few years, unquestionably, it would be my brother-in-law, John, um, who died of cancer three years ago. And I can remember towards the, towards the end, um, I was visiting him in hospital and um, uh, we were chatting and we were praying together and um, reading the Bible and, you know, asked him if he's got any questions about the afterlife and those kind of things. And we talked a little bit, but you know, still through it, although he did have those, those questions and he wanted to pray and all that stuff, but still his major concern still seemed to be to ask me about, you know, how the family are doing and stuff. His main concern through it all, through all the illness, through all the pain and all that kind of stuff, it all seemed to be about protecting the children, protecting my sister and making sure she was looked after afterwards and so on. It's undoubtedly the most courageous thing I've ever seen. And it strikes me that actually Christian courage is not actually when we see someone who's got all the strength in the world and all the odds in their favour, but rather is when they're in a moment of weakness and all the odds are stacked against them. But nevertheless, they are courageous and power through it. And that's what we see here with Gideon, and that's where you might be right now. You know, I had a burden as I was, as I was praying, as I was thinking about this, that some of you are facing illness, or others of you are looking after somebody else who's going through illness. And it's very hard in that moment. You know, I heard a pastor say one time about a lady who was really ill in his church and said to her, you know, how are you getting on? She said, I'm doing well. I still love the Lord. I'm still praying, still reading my Bible. But it was R.C. Sproul who, who told the story. She said, but I've got to tell you, R.C., it feels harder to be a Christian with your head in the toilet. And I just want to say to any of you in that moment of weakness now, if you feel like you're the weakest of the weak and you're thinking, well, how can you be calling me to courage? This is not a message for me at that time. I want to tell you this is the very time when you can be called to be courageous and you can make it through. Why? Well, we see why. Because when Gideon um, gives this answer to the angel of the Lord, listen to his response. And I believe this would be the response that the Lord would give to you if you're feeling weak right now. The Lord answered, I will be with you. But again... 
It can be hard to be a Christian in those moments. It can be hard to be a Christian when you feel bullied at work. It can be hard to be a Christian when a relationship has gone wrong. It can be hard to be a Christian when you've lost somebody close to you. When you're in those moments of weakness, well, again, we can learn from Gideon here. He doesn't just accept this. I'm sure he believes it on some level, but in his moment of weakness, he wants reassurance and he asks for it. So the very next thing we see, Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. So in his weakness, in his sense of inadequacy, he reaches out and he asks for reassurance. And what does the angel of the Lord do? What does God do? He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, why don't you have a little bit more faith? I mean, we think that sometimes. You know, like when the Pharisees would ask Jesus and Jesus actually rebuked them, called them wicked and adulterous. But that's because he knew their heart. He knew that whatever assurances he could give them, it would never be enough for them. They just didn't want to believe. This is different. This is Gideon calling out in a moment of weakness and saying, God, I want you to be there. Will you just tell me you're there? Will you just show me that it's you? And God doesn't rebuke him. He goes and he gets his offering, Gideon. And the angel of the Lord gives him some instructions and then he touches it with his staff and it bursts into flame in front of him. And then the angel of the Lord disappears. And we're seeing this is enough reassurance for Gideon that he knows it's actually the Lord that he's been speaking to. Why does God do that? Why doesn't he rebuke him? Why does he give him that assurance? Because that's the kind of God he is. He wants to reassure you in your moment of weakness. He wants you to know you're there. You know, sometimes when I was lying on that floor at night and my boys were going to sleep, every now and again, it would turn around to be my turn to be frightened as I just open my eyes for one minute and then see a couple of piercing eyes looking down on me. <laughs> and basically, the boys, they were just seeking reassurance to check I was definitely there because maybe once or twice, Daddy had snuck out and tried to get back to his comfortable bed at times, hoping they were asleep. And they were just checking I was there. But of course I was there. I was happy to say, I'm still here. Get yourself back to bed. Put your head down. Get to sleep. Why was I happy to reassure them? Because I love them. I'm their father. Why was God happy to reassure Gideon? Why is he happy to reassure you in your moment of weakness? Because he loves you. Because he's your father. Now Gideon though, he's not sure still at this stage. In fact, he remembers what Moses has said, that no one can see the face of God and live. And so he's actually scared. But again, what does the Lord do? He reassures him. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day it stands. In other words, Gideon has this incredible um, appearance of God. He has this incredible experience and he builds an altar that he might remember it, that he might be able to look back on it and be able to remember that not only was the Lord with him at that point, but remember something about the character of the Lord. That in the storms he knows that the Lord is peace, that the Lord is shalom. And can I encourage you, if you are seeking courage in a moment of weakness right now, think back of past experiences where you've really met with the Lord, where you've had some experience of the Lord, you've really met with his character and know that he's a compassionate Lord who wants to reassure you, who wants to give you peace. So if that is you, if you are in that moment where you feel like you're the weakest of the weak, where you feel inadequate, where you feel like you don't want to hear a sermon on courage, you want to hear a sermon about how it's okay to stay in the cave, about how it's okay to sort of back down and and just check out for a little while. Can I encourage you that actually you're in the very point where courage is exactly for you, 
This is the very moment where God wants you to step out and be brave and he'll help you. If you feel too weak, if you feel like your burdens are too much to bear, remember, not only is he compassionate, not only is he your peace, but he is strong and he can carry you through. I had a story from Alistair Begg. Talked about uh, the Scottish preacher. Yeah, he talked about another Scottish preacher who was uh, one time moving from the north of Scotland down to Glasgow. And like a lot of preachers, he had a, a lot of books. Um, if you're going to be a preacher, you need to have lots of books. And if you're a wife of a preacher, let me just say, encourage them to have as many books as they like. And see when... that's, that's for someone special. Anyway. Um... <laughs> and so because he had these many books, when the removal people were moving them into the church mounts that he was moving into in this uh, new uh, uh, church that he was moving into, he wanted to make sure they got into his library safely. So he's making particular attention over them moving the books from the van up the, to his library. And so he was collecting them and moving up and down the stairs. And his little three-year-old boy, three and a half years old, came up to him. And he wanted to help his daddy, so he asked if he could help. So, because he was only a three and a half-year-old boy, he decided he'd just give him some of his little witnessing pamphlets to carry, you know, something nice and light that he could carry. And then at one point, when he was uh, putting the um, uh, books up on, on his shelves, he heard crying. And so he came out of his library and looked down the stairs and he saw his little three and a half year old boy collapsed at the foot of the stairs with a couple of very heavy books on him. You know, you've probably seen them, you know, big Bible commentaries or some big theological tome. He'd obviously decided he could really help daddy by picking up these really heavy books. But he found they were just too much to carry. And he was there crying, collapsed with the books on top of him at the bottom of the stairs. And the preacher went down and he knelt down beside him and he dried his tears and he picked up his boy and his books and he walked them up to the library. Or the way he put it, I picked up my boy, I picked up his burden and I carried them to their destination. And I want to tell you, if you are in a moment of weakness right now, if your burden feels too big, if the storm is raging around you, take courage because you have a loving heavenly father who is by your side. And when things get too much and the burden seems too much, he will come beside you, he will dry your tears, he will pick you up, he will pick up your burden and he will carry you through that storm. So that's the first thing. Because the Lord is with us, we can take courage in weakness. Here's the second thing. Because the Lord is with us, we can take courage for the assignment. You know, God gives us assignments, doesn't he? In the very general sense, we all share the same assignment. We're all called to be um, Christians. We're all called to grow as Christians. We're all called to, to glorify God, to love him, to share the good news of Jesus. And then there's more specific ones. You know, for me, for example, I'm called to be uh, a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better um, boss for those people I look after at work, to be a better employee for the ones that uh, are bosses to me, and so on. And then sometimes God gives us very specific assignments. And sometimes, whether the general or specific, they can be scary. And therefore, we're going to need courage. But because he is with us, we can take courage for those assignments. We can see here, the very next thing he does is he gives Gideon a very specific assignment. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. And so what he's calling him to do then is to go up to one of the heights. This is, remember, this is the people of Israel he's talking about. He's talking about sort of people on home ground. And what they've done is they've become compromised. 
They're actually worshipping not just the one true God who brought them out of Egypt, brought them out of slavery and looks after them, but rather getting mixed in with the pagan gods around them. And so they are worshipping the pagan god Baal. And according to whichever tradition you look at, the goddess Asherah, who was the wife of Baal. And so you'd go up to these high places and you would see there an altar to the pagan god Baal and next to it an image of Asherah on a wooden pole, hence Asherah pole. And what God is asking Gideon to do is to live up to his name. You know what Gideon means in the original Hebrew? It means hacker or chopper or hewer. That's his job. He's to go down and start hack down these things and make it into a proper uh, altar to the living God. And this is his specific assignment. But I want to say, actually, in many ways, this is an assignment for absolutely all of us. I don't mean that specifically, okay? I mean, we're not to go around to, you know, places in Peterborough, in Leicester, in Cambridge, or wherever you're watching from, and go to the high places and, and find Asherah poles and altars to Baal and so on. That might be a bit of a stretch. In fact, where some of us live, just finding a high place is uh, something of a bit of a stretch. But what I do mean is the principle behind this. Ultimately, what he's calling Gideon to do is to get rid of all compromise in the land. The people of God have become compromised. Instead of just worshipping God, they're worshipping other gods. And it can be the same with us. It might be that we worship God on, uh, uh, on a Sunday, but during the week we can be compromised. Compromised in the things that we watch. Compromised in the way that we talk to other people. Compromised in the actions that we have. And what God is saying to Gideon is before the great battle of Midian ahead, before I take you through that, actually, I want you to get your, your own home in order. The assignment that comes before all other assignments is let's get rid of all compromise, get everything straight so that the God who is beside you is going to give you courage. He's going to take you through the battle that you're paying honour to that God. And so this is a, an assignment before all the other assignments. I just want to call all of us to today. And that is to get rid of all compromise from our lives. So that actually when we go into the other assignments, when we need that courage, that we can do so knowing we're relying on a God who has our full attention, who we're giving our full honour. But not only is this an assignment, I believe, for all of us in that generalised or principled sense, I think there's a lot we can learn from the way Gideon goes ahead with this very specific assignment. And we read about it in the very next verse. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. And so we just in this verse, I think this is packed with all sorts of things we can learn about how to have courage for our assignment. And just to ground this in something, let me give you an example of a specific assignment I can remember, and it's something I now look back on as a bit of a sort of experience with the Lord, as an altar to the Lord, if you like. And it's something that happened almost exactly 15 years ago. And it was my very first experience of teaching a big class. So I was an accountant. I decided very early on when I became a Christian that I wanted to be a preacher. I felt called to it, just felt a sense to it. But I had a bit of a problem. I was scared of talking in front of people, which is you know, obviously not a good thing. So I decided I'll become a teacher. Instead of being an accountant, I'll teach accounting. And then I'll get over the nerves and then it'll help me to, to do this. And so I remember that my first couple of lessons just had two students and three students. So I could just about hack that. That was fine. But on this day, back in... 2008, July 2008, I remember on a Sunday morning, the very next day, I was going to be teaching business strategy to 39 students, quite a biblical number as well, 39 students, and I was thinking I was teaching the Monday 9 o'clock 
till half four and then Monday to Friday through. And I can remember seeing, of all people, Simon Deeks on that Sunday morning. And he said, how are you, Tom? And you know, people just mean, how are you? As in, now you say, I'm all right. And, and then we walk on because he had other things to do, I'm sure. I said, I'm terrified, okay? <laughs> so he realised he probably pastorally couldn't just walk on at that point. So we stopped and had a bit of a chat. And I explained to him, I really was. You know, I'd rather have gone to war, to be perfectly honest with you. The thought of standing up in front of those people was terrifying to me. But I also knew it was an assignment from the Lord. I knew if I could get through that, I could get through anything. If I could lean on the Lord and learn principles for that, I'd be set up for the rest of my career and for what I'm doing right now. I just knew that. And what I'm doing now is looking at this verse from Gideon and thinking, what could I have learned? What could I have preached to that young man back 15 years ago that would have helped him through? And it might be that you're in a similar situation right now. There's an assignment on you right now, perhaps one you're hiding from in a cave or perhaps one that you've got to go through regardless. But either way, I can think we can look at these verses and pick out three important things you can do to take courage for the assignment. And they are to get started, to get support, and to get smart. First of all then, to get started. You notice the very next two words after God gives Gideon this assignment is, so Gideon. In other words, Gideon, he sought the reassurance. He knows that the Lord is with him now, and so he's going to get on with whatever the assignment is. And just that, I think, is such an important point. If we're going to go on with the assignment, it might sound rather obvious to say, but the most important thing is to get started. I was walking into town with my family the other week, and we don't go into town very often, and so the boys don't go up escalators very often. And my six-year-old Isaac was looking a bit worried as we were approaching the escalator. And so we could have ducked it and, you know, hidden in the cave that has got the lift, or I could have carried him up or something. But I said, no, no, just take my hand. And so as we went up, we just sort of timed it, one, two, three, and then took that first step onto the escalator, and then held hands, the, and then I got him off at the top. And, you know, actually, all it really took, the, the, the courage he needed, was really just for the first step. After that, the journey kind of took care of itself. He just had to carry on holding on to his father's hand, but the rest of it was kind of set out for him. And it strikes me with our assignments so many times, the courage is really needed just for that first step. Once you, once you get in, you've got no choice there. <laughs> you just have to get through. Like that week, as long as I turned up on the Monday and I didn't, like I was genuinely thinking of doing at one point, you know, crashing my car, only a mild one, but just to stop me having to go in. You laugh, it's true. <laughs> it's irrational, but... But once I turned up, the rest I was kind of locked in for. I was contractually obliged to stay there. And so once I got in that week, I knew I was going to stay. I just had to continue holding on to my father's hand for the rest of the journey. And I got through it on prayer and coffee and adrenaline. But it's so true, isn't it? If we can get the courage just to get started. So if you're still in that cave, can I encourage you? Take up that assignment. Get started. You'll enjoy the ride in many ways. And often our anticipatory anxiety is so much and we build things up so much that actually once you actually get started, it can never be as bad as you were in the first place. You actually start to become bold the very next step. So that's the first thing. Like Gideon, let's get started. Secondly, get support. Notice it says, he took 10 of his servants with him. Being brave, being courageous does not mean going it alone. Can I say particularly to the men in the room, we are notorious for this. You know, the suicide rate among middle-aged men in particular, it's just, it's scary. It's off the charts. I think, I've forgotten the thing, but I think it's like the biggest killer in a particular age. And a lot of it is down to the fact that men struggle to open up about their emotions. You know, I hate it when I speak to a mate 
and I find that he's been going through something really, really tough, and he's through it now, and I just think, why didn't you tell me? I would want you to reach out to me during that time. So can I encourage you, men and ladies as well, don't be thinking that because the Lord is with us and we want to lean on him, that we're only to lean on him. We can lean on the Lord through other people, through his people. You know, that week, that Monday to Friday, I leaned on people like you wouldn't believe. I was shameless about it. I text me, this is before WhatsApp. I had text messages, or before I knew about WhatsApp anyway. Um, we, I had text messages going everywhere. I mean, Steve Hiller in particular, you know, morning and night, lunch times, break times, you know. Can you keep praying? Can you keep praying? Yes, I can keep praying till, you know. I'm sure he didn't pull that face. Anyway. <laughs> but get support. Don't think you've got to go it alone. And then the third thing, get smart. Notice he was scared. He felt the fear, but he did it anyway. And he did it at night because he was scared, rather than during the daytime when everybody would see. Getting smart means two things. It doesn't mean ignoring the fear. Being courageous doesn't mean ignoring fear, pretending it's not there, and that never really works. You know, on that Monday morning, when I stood in front of that class, I was so scared, but I knew the Lord was with me. And do you ever get that feeling when something in the natural ought to be totally terrifying, but the peace of God comes on you and it just takes away all fear? Well, I didn't get that. Okay. <laughs> it was absolutely terrifying. I next about three bottles of water and the coffee, looked up and it was like half nine. Now I had a problem. The break was an hour and a half away and I was desperate for the toilet. But my point is, when you go through with the assignment, God doesn't always just take away that fear. If he's going to teach you something, it can't always be that he picks you up and carries you. There are times when you have to go through it and you just need to trust in him that he is there and he is there with you. So let's get smart about this. Let's just deny the fear that's there. But secondly, getting smart means being wise. You don't have to do it, be brazen doing it during the day. Sometimes people think being courageous means just running across the minefield with no kind of care about what happens. You know, sometimes you hear those stories, don't you, about Christians who've got into trouble witnessing at work. Sometimes I hear those and I think that's so unfair and they were so brave and bold. But sometimes I hear it and I think, actually, I don't know if you did that very well. I don't know if you behaved very well in that situation. And I think there is a way that sometimes people can be courageous, but they can be tactlessly courageous. Now, before I have a go at those people, let me equally say on the other side, the answer to that is not to be tactfully cowardly. Okay? We want to be something in between. We want to be wise. We want to be tactfully courageous. And Gideon learned this. Gideon knew that it was going to be scary one way, so he used his smarts. He used his wisdom. And so I want to call us, if the assignment's there, let's come out of the cave, let's get started, let's get support, we don't have to go it alone, and let's get smart. Let's just not close our eyes and run and pretend the fear isn't there. Let's face that fear and do it anyway, and let's be wise as we go about it. And then we find what happens is it has, well, let's say, a sort of mixed reaction from people. The people from the town want to kill him because they've taken down their altar. But his father, remember, it's his father who's compromised here. It's his father whose um, Asherah pole and altar it is. He actually says this, if Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. And so what we see is what happens many times when we fulfill our assignments. It doesn't make us popular with everybody necessarily, but it will have a significant impact on some. I had a friend who, when he was at school, they were in English literature class, and they were reading a, a play. And in the part that he was reading, the character kept blaspheming, kept saying God. 
And as he read the play, you know how they used to do that at school, you read one part and so on. As he read it, he kept ignoring the word God. He kept skipping over it. Now, if I remember anything about school, I don't doubt he probably drew a lot of scorn from his schoolmates for doing that. But many years later, the teacher of that class came to him and told him, saw him in church and told him that he'd become a Christian. And that actually that simple act of courage, of defiance, that filling out that small assignment had had a massive impact on that teacher. Do you know if all of us can become more courageous, can come out of the caves, can head into that storm, can overcome our weakness, can know that the Lord is with us, can get that support, can get smart, can get started and fulfill our assignments. Not only will we get through, we will learn lots, will God get lots of glory, but we'll have an incredible impact on all the people around us. And we'll be emulating the greatest act of courage that ever occurred. That is Jesus Christ himself going to the cross on our behalf, paying the price for the sins that he didn't commit, that we committed, refusing to run away, refusing to hide, and instead taking all that punishment upon himself all the way to death. And even when he was dead, he refused to remain in a cave. <laughs> and he came out and he triumphed over it. Well, we can follow his example and we can be courageous too. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I pray that you will give us a revelation that you are with us. That we can take courage in weakness and that we can take courage for the assignment. Well, wherever you are, I would love us all to respond together. So if you're here or in another centre, if you'd like to stand to your feet, that would be great if you're able. And I want to pray for us, and then I want to worship. First of all, I want to pray for anybody who's never become a Christian, who's never come to know that Heavenly Father as their Father. Or perhaps you've been away from the Lord and you'd like to come back to him. I'd love to have an opportunity to pray for you right now. You know, Jesus Christ courageously took the price of all the things you've done wrong in your life and wherever things have gone. He took that upon himself on the cross. And all you have to do to accept that sacrifice and have your price paid, have your slate wiped clear, to walk forever in righteousness and to know that when the Lord looks on you, you are perfect in his sight. All you have to do is turn away from your sins and put your faith in. And you can do that right now. I can lead you through a prayer, whether you're here in the centre, whether you're watching from another centre or when you're online. So if that's you, if you would like to come back to the Lord or you'd like to come to Him for the first time, just so I know who I'm praying for here, if you wouldn't mind just popping up your hand and you can respond wherever you are uh, in any way you like. Just so I know who I'm praying for, if you wouldn't mind just raising your hand right now. You can do that at home if you just want to place your hand on your heart by way of response. For those of you responding, I want to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to pray a phrase at a time. And if you respond to this, wherever you're watching from and you mean it from the bottom of your heart, this very day you'll come to know the Lord as your Saviour and God as your Father. Church, if we can join in, you can join in as well at home or other centres just so they don't feel alone. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to pay the price for my sin. Jesus, thank you that you were courageous. That you paid the price for my sin on the cross. Forgive me for anything I've done wrong. 
Wipe my slate clean and come into my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If that is you, then at the end of the service, wherever you are online, uh, we'd love to have a chat with you. So please do uh, get in contact with us. There'll be some instructions later. But for the rest of us, I really want us to respond together. So again, whether online, whether in a center, whether here, if you can place your hand on your heart. And I want to pray in those two areas. Firstly, for anybody who's in that moment of weakness, who feels like Gideon, you're the weakest of the weak. You feel very conscious of your inadequacy. I just want to pray that you will know that the Lord is with you and that He can take you through this storm. So if that is you, why don't you place your hand on your heart right now and why don't you have your other hand just out now just to receive a revelation from the Lord that He is by your side. You can almost imagine that the Father is taking your hand just like I took Isaac's hand on the escalator and He's taking you into that first step in and through that storm. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now you will give these people a revelation that you are with them by your Holy Spirit, that they are not alone. Lord, I pray that they will know that in that weakness, you become all the more strong for them. Lord, will you just by your Spirit reveal to them that you love them, that you are their peace, that you are happy to reassure them. Give them that reassurance right now that though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they need fear no evil because you are with them. That they may be strong and courageous because they know that the Lord is with them. Whether it's sickness, whether it's a situation at work, a relationship, whatever it may be, Lord, will you give them courage and stand by them? They might know that they can make it through. And Lord, whether it's that as an assignment in weakness or assignment for any of, us, any of us, anything else, Lord, I pray that people right now will take courage to get their house in order, to get rid of any compromise from their life, that they might honour the God that stands by them, Lord. I pray that right now you will assure them that you are by their side that you will draw them out of those uh, caves, Lord, that they might get started, Lord. Give them people that they can get support from, Lord, and give them wisdom, Lord, that they might pray and ask you for the wisdom that they can, that every single one of us here might step out in courage, might complete our assignment, and might have a wonderful impact, that we might be changed to result, and that you, God of the universe, might get all the glory because you are the one that battles for us. You are the one that gives us strength. You are the one that is by our side and that deserves all the glory and all the worship. In Jesus' mighty name, let's sing to him.